0: The Classic Comics Forum Podcast presents issue number 36, Sandman Mystery Theater, Part 2. Welcome back to the Classic Comics Forum Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Scott Harris-King, and today I'm excited to bring you Part 2 of my three-part discussion with special guest Slam Bradley about my favorite mainstream comic series, Sandman Mystery Theater. Now, in the first part, we talked about the background of the character Sandman. We also had an interview with Slam Bradley about his collecting history, and we discussed issues number one through eight of Sandman Mystery Theater, which covers the first two arcs. Here, we're going to jump in, starting with the third arc, issue number nine. So let's just jump right into it. Here we go, Sam and Mystery Theater, part two. To set the stage, I just wanna mention a few things about this arc. It's a really important arc, it's called The Brute. And um, you know, throughout these, we don't really talk too much about the specific plots, but it's kind of important here there's two basically two parallel stories that intersect. One is about a guy who's down on his luck. Again, this is in the late thirties, the end of the depression, a single father who's raising a little girl and, um, he's desperately trying to get money and trying to raise her correctly. And she unfortunately is, is the victim of a terrible assault. And, um, he goes seeking revenge, um, on the people who caused it and also serve on the world that brings him in direct um opposition to uh the bad guys in this arc and there's the crime family and basically what we find out is that there's this giant creature that they call the brute who's going around killing people come to find out the brute is actually uh, a an abused and uh, mentally um, handicapped giant um woman who is the daughter of the mob boss and it it brings up a lot of uh themes that are going to be the main themes of the entire series uh those being the relationship between parents and children and how the sins of the parents are passed down through inherited uh trauma To the children, the way that parents um, uh, sort of pass along their own issues um, and how that affects children in the next generation and how those children are then sort of turned into uh, things that they shouldn't be because of the way they're treated by their parents. The relationship between um, children and parents is one of the main themes and almost every arc in the entire series is going to have some version of that. The other thing is it specifically talks about uh, the damage of sexual violence and specifically, so there's um, psychological trauma that's passed down. There's also the trauma that's caused by physical violence, but specifically sexual violence. We're going to see a number of arcs that are specifically dealing with this theme. And so, these, this is, a, is a sort of a cornerstone arc for the series because it really sets a lot of stuff up that we're going to be exploring and the characters are going to be exploring for the rest of the run. But it does need to be said that there is a lot of violence in order to explore these themes. This arc in particular, there's a, there's a lot of violence and, and specifically sexual violence in this
1: story. Uh, I think to Wagner's um, credit, uh, not, it never seemed gratuitous, it never seemed titillating, as you said, um, but he's exploring these issues and pointing out that this is not anything that's new. Right, exactly.
0: Um, so an, an, another thing I want to just mention about this arc, in terms of that the sexual violence and all the themes that we've just been talking about, they do another thing where... Um, as i mentioned previously there's a lot of parallels there's a lot of mirrors we have the the assault where the girl is assaulted by the older man it that is a, an, a in a way a thematic mirror to diane herself because she is actually assaulted by a man in this story as well and she has to fight him off and um Again we see a lot in the series contrast where things will happen to characters and what's happening to them is sort of an exaggerated or outsized version of what is what the main characters you're dealing with so you can see and they can see um, uh, different sort of versions of, the, of those events.
1: I, I noted. Uh that uh, at the end of this arc, there's an issue number 12, or toward the end anyway. Yeah, the last issue of the arc, there's a, an explicit uh, tie-in uh, to Sandman, uh, to Game and Sandman, when Wes uh, dreams about Morpheus's helmet. So uh, again, we're getting um, a less oblique uh, tie-in um, to the what at that point was, was probably Vertigo's biggest book and uh, was certainly the darling of the, of the critical. Um, uh, Sandman was one of those books that brought in non-comic book readers to read comic books. Um, uh, the other note that I have, <laughs> and I took these quite a while back, um, my note says Growth by Diane, and I'm trying to, to remember what exactly I meant by that. I do know that because of the events in this, um, in this arc, that uh, I think that was what started Diane's interest in, in helping children, and and, made, uh, and 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 that much uh, character growth uh, in in what was what she wanted to do with her life. Yeah, this um, is
0: something we'll see throughout the run. There's a few different places where she she's trying to help children in need this is not the only um like murderous malformed giant child who is killing people as a result of their their sort of weird relationship with their parents because we have there's another arc later on uh the goblin which is going to have a very similar different outcome and a different character than the brute but very similar setup. Um, so issues 13 to 16, the vamp uh, here is we can see well, with the cover design. I, I talked about um, each of the arcs has their own sort of cover design for that arc. This has like the little circles, all the little miniature images. Um, like so this has a, this has a, I have a whole huge page of notes about this you go <laughs> ahead you were about to say something
1: well I, I hadn't it, it just actually struck me as I was looking at that and I, and I don't think that it, it had struck me before the, the design in this uh, this arc the cover design in this arc seems to mirror the content and it uh, to me it looks like almost an old timey um, romance magazine type cover. Um, so, I mean, obviously I think that was probably purposeful, but that's not something that had struck me before. So
0: there's a lot of stuff going on. I've got, a, like I said, an entire page of notes about-
1: <laughs> i to you as an artist.
0: About this, <laughs> about this one issue here. Um, this is this is explicitly, a. Uh, in a way that the other ones are only implicitly about the role of women in society. So there's a there's a whole thing where there's like a group of sort of uh, feminists, some of them are lesbians, and um, we get some militant lesbians, and one of them is ended up murdering uh, men. And um, th- there's a lot of interesting. stuff parallels here. One thing that we get is, um, I'm sorry, I just leave one second to actually read my notes to figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> one thing we learn about Wes, and it becomes more important in later stories, is that he was part of this like fraternity uh, when he was in college. And um, it's a network of men, helping men Uh, stay in power basically and this has a a, a contrast where there's a sorority and it's basically the relationship of the women in in this sorority is sort of um, the opposite of that in a way they're sort of uh, damaged by their interactions with men and there's a certain perpetual perpetuation of that within the group dynamic and i thought that was interesting um one of my notes here is like the the women in this arc they're forced to react to men and then live as their lives as they're allowed to uh and if they try and break out on their own various different bad things happen to the women in this storyline who are trying to sort of be themselves um Another thing that's happening here is we're getting more of Wes. So the more yeah. Diane sort of investigates Wes, cause she's really intrigued by him, the more he becomes part of her story, the more he becomes part of his own story. So the more she gets interested in Wes and learns about Wes, we as the readers learn about him and he gets a bigger and bigger place in, in the arcs as we go through, um, Diane, you know, I have a note here. As you mentioned, your notes for the last issue that Diane has growth. I have that note for this arc where she's developed, like, she's really starting to figure out by interacting with these other people and seeing these different things, she's starting to figure out where her place in in the world
1: is. I I think I was just glancing through um, some things. Uh, At the very start of this arc, um, Diane is out with these. Sorority girlfriends, college friends, um, and they're at the jazz club, and Diane Ty- tries reefer for the first time. And at this point, she's still um, there's still that vestige of of that party girl, uh, free spirit that we saw at the very beginning. But as as the arc goes on, uh, she she she's clearly transitioning and realizing that that what. What she's been doing there isn't working. It's not uh, um, promoting growth for her as a person. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. There's there's definite growth um, for Diane uh, in in this storyline. The uh, this is a, a I think a storyline that could be problematic for a lot of people just because you can be um, you know the revenge seeking lesbian um, is a trope that. Uh, that uh, you know, you can certainly say is is played out. Um, obviously, this was holy crap. This was over 20 years ago, so it was maybe less played out at that point. But uh, uh, I think you're right. Uh, the 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 women, the sorority women, obviously were 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 are fighting in, against the power of, of the fraternity boys who who did them wrong, uh, and the power dynamic there uh, was very clearly tilted uh, against the women. Um, so, uh, from that point, this was also we saw uh, as far as just uh, story structure, and 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 um, this was the return of Guy Davis, which was huge. Um, yeah. Um, the the art is just quantum quantum leaps beyond what we had seen in the last last couple of arcs, and we we get a co-writer with this arc.
0: Right. So the co-writer here is uh, Steven Siegel. Did I, did I get that right?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know Steven whether it's Stephen Siegel. I, I, I assume it's pronounced Siegel. I. I i guess it could be seagull i don't i don't i've got to be honest
0: i'm not familiar with anything else he's done and i've looked into it before um there's going to come a point where he becomes the main writer and wagner's just doing the basic plots and then at the end of the series it's just seagull and um there's you could there's a bit of a difference once he takes over full time right at the end but it's a seamless transition for me
1: um uh, yeah, I, I think it was. I I'm trying to think uh, timeline wise. Uh, Steven Seagal did um, a series for House of uh, for Vertigo called House of Secrets um, from '96 to '99. Okay, um, that was a uh, clearly a very different take um, from the. Uh, anthology series, the mystery series that had been uh, before. Uh, I He did that with Teddy Christiansen um, who's a very interesting artist. Uh, I read that at the time. I have not read that since those books came out. So 9, 10, 11, almost 30 years. Um, uh, 25 years. Um, but I remember I liked it at the time. But I think I think this may have been um, his first big work. I think he may have done a few um, indie books before that, but I think this was his first, first big work.
0: Uh, so one of the, a couple of things real quick about this arc here. Um, there's, this, there's the bit here with Lieutenant Burke who's Italian-American And is basically, there's a a short sequence here where he's basically not, because he's Italian, he's not considered white enough. And so it's another sort of Burke, again, we're getting, he's a bit of an outsider, like a lot of these characters, trying to sort of um, carve his way into white society and make a place where everything's sort of, everything's sort of stacked against them. There's a reference here to the invasion of Poland, which took place in September yep. 1939. Um, it sets a firm date. There's a couple. There's some references throughout the series that are set on specific specific dates, and uh, that's that's leading up to something. We're going to start here with this. We start to get bits and pieces more and more of stuff about the war in Europe, which is eventually going to become very important right at the yep. end.
1: Yeah. There's a this overarching. Um, sense of doom, really, almost, that society is on the precipice and, and that, uh, that uh, bad things are, are happening in the world. And it becomes more prevalent later on uh, and becomes a big, big factor, particularly, I think, for Diane, um, as you mentioned earlier, um, how do you bring people into a world that's uh, that may not be here much longer, at least not as we know it. Um, so that's that, that's important.
0: Uh, should we move on to the next arc?
1: I, I think it is important to point out that this is at least where, sorry that was loud, um, where Wes and, da, and, and Diane finally consummate their their
0: relationship yeah so things are, things are moving along we got a bit in in i didn't mention this in the last arc but after diane was assaulted she she gets away from that guy she goes to Wes's house and tells him and his immediate reaction again uh the sort of um how violence begins violence his immediate reaction is like rage and he wants to just go kick someone's ass and then his the second reaction is he kisses her and then he pulls back and then he feels horrible because he's like, now I'm just as bad as this guy. You came here for support. And so they end up having a moment, but because it's so fraught, they decide this is not the time to really do anything. It's best to just wait. And so in this arc here, they they consummate their relationship. Um, but that's going to be on the rocks really quickly. Um, Very quickly. <laughs> so here's the next arc, the scorpion. Uh, here's the cover we get um, some interesting sort of graphic designs um, in this case we, we're getting like a, a subheader here the scorpion that sort of runs up the side so uh, this arc um, for me the, the the plot wasn't quite as important in this in this particular one but there, there was some interesting stuff there's we get another character here a woman named Cassandra who ends up Um, ends up dead by the end of the storyline. She's another um, sort of mirror to Diane. Diane's running into a lot of women who are struggling with different things from her, but similar on a high level. And she's seeing what's happening to them as they're trying to react to, to the system. And she's sort of growing as a person. Cassandra's another sort of mirror we're getting a lot more from Wesley now the more that he's involved in Diane's life the more we get from him even he's doing the, the uh, narration captions here we start we're starting to get a lot of his sort of moral code he he writes a lot about his thoughts on poverty and excess and stuff like that so um, and we have again this sort of theme of people trapped in these societal expectations we also have right at the end a key moment where diane figures out that wes is the sandman and then we sort of end on that
1: cliffhanger yeah um this to me i, I agree i think the storyline the the plot was not wasn't anything spectacular but the scorpion was probably the closest that we've had to a traditional uh, Golden Age villain, um, comic book type villain. Um, he uh, his his motivation is 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 still somewhat pulpy, but uh, he you know he carries his bullwhip and uh, wears a, a mask, band a bandana mask, and the bolo tie, and uh, so he's very much. This is this is I think a nod. To more traditional Golden Age and comic book villainy, um, the other this is I where I first noted uh, Hubert Klein, the coroner, um, who uh, becomes a, a big help for uh, for Wes, and um, uh, it's kind of a a proto nerd. Um, in that he's a he's a pulp fiction fan, you can see uh, he uh, he's reading reading the the pulp magazines and uh, is very intrigued by by the Sandman and uh, what he's doing. So uh, structurally, I think there was that. The, uh, my my other notes were yeah uh, it's very clear that the the connection between Wes and and Diane is is deepening throughout this arc. And, and you see, because partly because of the narration by Wes, but he's opening up, we're, we're seeing more, more into him, um, uh, better glimpses into his character and uh, what he thinks and, and what he cares about. And the fact that he uh, feels like, uh, almost uh, again with, with great power, in this case, money, Comes great responsibility, and and he feels like he needs to be doing something um, with his money, not just to quench the the dreams, not just to stop himself from having these dreams that 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 drive him, but because they're he's in a position to make society better um, because of his wealth.
0: Yeah. Uh, Got a lot more to say about Wes in a couple arcs. I want to wait till we get. I've got. I've got a, a this a theory I'm going to drop on you here when we get in a couple more arcs because I have. I have this big theory that I've been waiting. I've been waiting three years to share with the world. So, <laughs> um, so before we get to the next arc, uh, there's an annual. Here it is. It's annual number one. Um, this is a bit of a departure for the series. It's a lot of short, like self-contained stories that are done by different creative teams yeah um and uh it's it's a good issue um i don't think it's really vital to the overall arc that much um i don't really have too much to say about it other than my only note really is that we get some stories in this that are from the point of view of other characters so we get one that's from from larry and one from humphreys but other than that um I think you could read the series without reading this.
1: I, I don't think that it, It. Uh, I agree. Uh, it was interesting. There was some nice art. Um, it's nice to see some different people. Uh, David Lloyd um, did a, a story. Um, Alex Ross, if you like him, I'm not a big fan. But, uh, um, and, and it's interesting to see a little bit from from the point of view of some of the secondary characters. Uh, my notes, I think, say that this came out in between issues nineteen and twenty, for whatever that's worth. Um, yeah, I just slotted
0: here between twenty and twenty-one because that's where the arcs are. But I think you're right, and it, it's fine. But it's,
1: it's it's it it it's it's okay. But if you didn't read it, it wouldn't be a big deal.
0: Yeah, and um, you can't say that about anything else in the series. If you miss an arc a, yeah. somewhere else, you're going to miss some important character development. Nothing really
1: happens here that you need. You you would. Um, the one the one note I have actually a, a single note on this is that this was the first appearance of what they call Fiji, um, who is the crime photographer dude, um, which is a takeoff on the famous crime crime photographer Ouija, um, who was. Uh, Made a, made a name, fairly famous name for himself as a crime photographer in the 30s and 40s.
0: Oh, okay, That's, I didn't know that. I didn't I didn't pick up on that one.
1: Um,
0: okay, the next arc, Dr. Death, 21 to 24. Um, there's a cover of 21. We have the little Dr. Death down here. Again, we have more, more sort of distorted, nightmare-like photograph figures. Um, a lot of distortion you know Uh, so forest issue arc and uh we get another interesting parallel here one of the more direct ones in the series for diane because we we meet her cousin and um, diane is trying to investigate she's trying to learn wes's secrets because he hasn't told her yet now he said in his journal that he's going to tell her but he hasn't so she's decided to sort of um get the information out of her and there's a sequence here where she is basically like okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, use my feminine charms to get to get this, and it's paralleled with her cousin who is having this relationship with this guy, who is sort of a, a violent, um, sexual like a hole. And there's a sequence where she kind of does something similar, and what happens is completely different because of how different the two men are. Um it works out fine for Diane because Wes is a good guy, but for Diane's cousin, there's a lot of the sexual violence. And that arc is is again another interesting mirror parallel setup for Diane. Almost every arc has a female character that Diane is mirroring and learns from. But this is one of the most explicit because there, there's a mirroring of sort of the the actions. Uh, that take place in a similar way to the brute, where we saw the mirror image of the two assaults. We get the, these sequences here. Um, to me, that was sort of sort of the the main thing here. Um, there's a couple other things. Uh, we, we get. I think this is the introduction of Wes's old friend Robert Robert Lee. Yes. And he's going to be important later on. Um, He's an interesting character, another fraternity brother, um, another minority.
1: That that introduction actually caused one of my biggest issues with, and it's a piece of minutiae that bothered me in in the series. Okay. Um, Wes and and Robert have uh, intellectual challenge um, where they... Challenge each other to do something. Um, I, Wes challenges uh, Robert to find a list of, of doctors um, of some ilk so that he to help him uh, track down um, this this person, the Doctor Death that he's looking for. Um, not to be confused with Batman's Doctor Death, by the way. Um, and uh, Robert's challenge to Wes is to Memorize one page of the New York Times. So at the end, our, uh, when they, when they meet to to do these challenges, um, Wes starts rattling off uh, uh, part of the Popeye comic strip. Arf arf. Uh, let's do this, Sweepy. Well, the problem is the two New York Times never had comic strips. And Popeye appeared in the in the New York Journal, um, so that bothered me. This is one of those little little niggling nerd problems that, that that really bugged the heck out of me. I I support this. I'm <laughs> totally on board with this. Um, the other the other little bit of minutia that I that that just jumped out at me is at some point uh, um, we see Grant's gym, and, and somebody says. Night Ted. So we've got uh, this is the f- I think the first explicit uh, um, link to to the greater DC universe because obviously Ted Grant um, who had Grant's gym is is Wildcat. <laughs> Uh, It's interesting you mentioned that because we're going to see in just a couple arcs,
0: we're all of a sudden going to start seeing the birth of the DC universe with a whole bunch of characters. So um, this is just the first drip of a faucet that's about to be turned on. And I do have some I'm curious what you think about that happening because I have some questions internally about why that ended up happening. Um, But let's jump to the next arc because for me this is maybe the most important arc in the whole series i this is where i'm going to drop my giant theory on everybody and it's also (laughs) what i consider to be sort of the end of act one one thing that i love about this is as, as i've had a little experience like as a screenwriter i think if you take the 70 issues of this run there's an arc that's similar to what you'd expect from a from a like a feature film in terms of where the beats land and uh this to me is sort of the end of act one the break into act two things after this arc are different um so let me just show the cover real quick it's called the butcher and here's the design for this arc um i'll show another one here as you can see it the unified design Mm. um so a bunch of stuff happens here <laughs> the most important thing about in here is that basically Diane removes herself from the relationship she's just like this is too much for me I need to think things over I'm, I'm out she's like sayonara not quite like that but she leaves <laughs> she, she the relationship all of a sudden, everything is from Wesley's point of view. This, when Diane leaves the book, it's like she she's she's like not just stepped out of the relationship, she's sort of stepped out of the focus. Everything we've been seeing is sort of from Diane's point of view up to this point. But now that she's out of the relationship, was from Wesley's point of view. And all of a sudden, Wesley, we get a whole bunch of insight into Wesley that we didn't have before. We see, as we've talked about already, he's not a typical hero. He almost seems kind of um, needy. Like, he's very emotionally upset when Diane leaves, and he, he seems unmoored. Um, we, you know, he can't tolerate the taste. We learn a lot of things about him that seem kind of unmanly. He can't tolerate the taste of alcohol. He vomits just at a description of violence. Um, over the course of the story, he gets like, his butt kicked a bunch of different times. Um, He has these crippling nightmares and he just seems like a total wreck of a person. And um, before this, we've been getting more and more insight into Wes, but the way he's been portrayed at the start, when when Diane first meets him, Wes is this mysterious person. The Sandman is this mysterious figure. And there's sort of a like, uh, romanticism to to his heroics. Of course, it's, it's gritty and realistic and stuff, but for the most part, as soon as she's gone, she, the way he's portrayed changes. And when I was reading this, it struck me that the way Wes is portrayed depends to a degree on how Diane is feeling about Wes at the time. The depiction of of Wes as a character to me, I'm getting into my big theory here, wait for it, I'm almost there. As she's questioning things, uh, the depiction of him changes. As she sees him as less heroic, he's depicted as less heroic. But then in the next arc, we're going to which we'll get. To, I'm just going to jump ahead real quick. When they get back together, he seems more confident. He seems more more interesting and more uh, sort of not commanding because that's not really his character. But he seems more heroic, and he seems like like a like a more manly figure once she's back in the relationship. And so here's my theory. Let me throw this out here i was struck by the idea i'm wondering if the story we're reading if sandman mystery theater
1: written by a diane. is
0: written by diane <laughs> uh i i've never seen wagner discuss this and i've never met him but if i ever meet him it's the first thing i'm going to ask because we've over the course of the story of course for those who haven't read it we're, we're skipping ahead but diane her her true calling in life is to be a writer and we learn later on through a crossover with a present day story and Starman. she's become this famous literary figure in America, like this beloved literary author. And so I want, I have to wonder based on, on the way this plays out, if this whole story is from Diane's point of view, because she's writing her novel version of their relationship.
1: That's interesting, and I hadn't thought about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, and looking at my notes for this, for this arc, um, impli- or ex- implicitly, I think I get to the same, same place that you're at without actually getting there. Um, my big note up in the corner box um, of my legal pad is: this feels like it's a turning point. Uh, which it does. I think this is a turning point, both for the series and and basically for both characters, for both Diana and, and uh, Wes. But I also noted that uh, we talked about Burke. And up until this time, um, Wes had always gotten the better of Burke. Always. Whether it was physically, whether it was intellectually, up until this arc, um, Wes always got the better of Burke. But this is the first time that uh, Burke just just kicks Wes's butt, and 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 Diane has to bail him out. Um, um, on 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 the uh, uh, She helps him out with info that solves the the the, the crime. Um, so yeah, I I can see that. And again, uh, as you pointed out, we learn later in Starman, which is another great series. Um, which you should do a podcast with somebody about. Um, At some point I will. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that Diane becomes this, this, uh, this great author and we see the beginnings of that later in the series. So the, what you're saying actually makes a huge amount of sense. I hadn't thought about it, but that makes a lot of sense to me.
0: So the only other note that I have here, um, I mean, I have this listed as my end of act one sort of turning point into act two. Uh, but there's also, the, the plot itself deals with this inbred family. And again, we have this thing about how children are raised and mistreated by parents and how that creates this cycle of, per, this perpetuation cycle of violence. Um, it's just, it's hard to miss that as a theme because it, it's not just a thematic, like a lot of elements, it's a plot element in a lot of these stories where um, we have these sort of murderous children murderous um you know grotesque baby monsters and uh even the people that are adults a lot of them when we get to the the world fair arc they're like have all these serious mental issues that were caused by their parents and um so that was, I just wanted to mention that here. Um, and then we get to the next arc, which is one of my oh. favorites, because, oh, sorry, go
1: ahead. Yes, that's okay, that, there, I had a couple of other notes. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: sorry, I didn't mean to jump.
1: Um, I think one of the things we got, We this was, I think, one of the first times we got that that glimpse into Lieutenant Burke and his home life, um, which I think is, is important for his growth. We see, um, a female who we don't know whether she's a girlfriend or just a twist or, or what exactly she is at this point. But it's clear that that they have a relationship that's beyond just just sexual. Um, so we get a little bit of a glimpse um, into Burke and a little bit of growth um, for him. And and again, the dynamic between Burke and Wes is is quite different in this arc. Um, and again, I think that may very well tie into your your theory, which uh, I I I don't know that I've ever read a, a uh, interview with Matt Wagner, which is is unusual because I read a lot of interviews with a lot of creators, but uh, I don't know that I've ever actually read one.
0: I don't think I have either, Wagner. and and I've never seen him at a show up here in New England anyway. I've seen I've met almost everybody that I want to meet at this point. There's just a few holdouts, but I've never seen Matt Wagner's show so. I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to find that one
1: out. The other, the other one, one small note that I had is that we, uh, we see a, a brief uh, cameo from Dr. McNiter, who will become more important later on, but who also will ultimately become Dr. Midnight.
0: Yeah. And so one thing I love about the series and we can really talk about it now because I, I got so excited to, for the next arc <laughs> that I jumped all over you. Um, the next arc is the Hourman arc, and my favorite members of the Justice Society easily is uh, Sandman, Hourman, and Doctor Midnight. Like those are those are like I, I love those guys. Um, not so. You know, this is this is a cool cover that I like a lot. Let me show that one again.
1: Yeah, I love that cover. Yeah, this is one I've, of my. I've favorites. used that in the cover contest at least once. Yeah. Um,
0: and then sort of the last one here because this has some of the, the, the classic golden age art work yeah. um, this is where we're, this is what I consider to be the beginning of Acts 2 where um, we get um, Diane and Wesley have sort of uh, you know they had their big sort of conflict at the in the last issue where, where she sort of left and then sort of came back and they reconciled and now they've sort of worked through that. You know, she was upset in some ways. He didn't tell her his secrets and stuff, and so there's a, a sense that they weren't being honest. Now that they've gotten through that, they're they're definitely much more sort of together. They're together, and so we start to see the plots be uh, take more of a center stage as opposed to um, sort of the the character thematic stuff. Now there's still a lot of character stuff, um, but. When the plots start taking over, the other thing that happens beginning here is we get a whole bunch of DC universe, the beginnings of the DC universe, and we're gonna have 20 or 30 issues here where almost every arc has some sort of connection to the, to the beginning of the DC universe without losing this, the, what's made the series so good. And that's why I love the way they implemented this stuff. I, I'm a big fan of this arc. I love Our Man, I love what they did here bringing him in this has a cool scene where there's a there's a costume ball you referenced this earlier where wes ends up the costume he's given is the purple and yellow jack kirby redesign costume um, that he got later in adventure comics back in the 40s and he looks like just so bad in it Uh, it's like it's it's played for laughs because he just looks so bad whereas our man also is wearing like a handmade costume he looks like a superhero yeah um but and so the two and the two of them together is sort of like here's our man looking like the man of the hour as they call him in here and then here's schlubby west just wearing this like dime store (laughs) terrible costume so that was great um i have a note here this might be a stretch but one thing that starts here is, and th- well, throughout Act Two, one, the, big, the big arc here is the arc of now that they're together, Diane ends up getting pregnant and them dealing with that. And here's a note that may be a huge stretch, but I, I was noticing a mirror between the birth of the DC universe taking place at the same time in the same stories where they're discussing the, the birth of their child, whether they should bring the child into the world. I think it would be way too much. I'm already stretching it, but it would be too much of a stretch to say that their conversations about whether or not they should have the child or a commentary on the usefulness of superheroes, because I think that would be too far,
1: but it could have been a valid way to go. But anyway, it was just something that I noticed. Um, uh, you, you, I know you mentioned that uh, Sandman and, and Our Man were were among your favorite JSA characters. I, uh, among the very first comics that I bought that were not Batman or, or Spider-Man, were an issue of the the rebooted uh, All-Star comics with, with the JSA. And then one of the two, I, one or I think two out of the three issues of the JLA JSA team up that had uh, the Faucet characters. Um, I think they may have called it the Shazam Squad or something. Um, so I, I was very, and 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 they they just struck my little, you know, eight seven or eight year old mind. Um, I loved the JSA, and I was a huge um, Justice Society fan for for a lot a lot, lot of years. Um, uh, and it took it took me all of about you know. 30 seconds and, and you know two panels to understand the difference between Earth-1 and Earth-2. So why, why comic book writers couldn't figure that out, I've never quite understood. But um, Sandman uh, was one of those characters who was really cool looking because they had had, had him back in his uh, um, pulp costume uh, rather than the, the purple and, and gold. But they never used him. He never, even when they, even when he was in the comics, he never did anything. And it was I always felt bad about that. Hourman, um, I'm a big fan of, and Hourman they used rather extensively. And then he had those uh, the Hourman Doctor Fate issues of uh, of Showcase, which I have not read since uh, I was a very young. But uh, uh, that's kind of been a not very, very useful aside, but I just wanted to point out that I, uh, the, the, the growth of the DC universe, uh, within Sandman Mystery Theater actually was, is, is one of my favorite things. I, I love it. Um, uh, my first note here, uh, for this arc is that Wes and Diane are, are back together, very back together, uh, yeah. which, you know, that, obviously they, and, and of course they'll be apart again. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll go ahead and foreshadow that. Um, but, uh, I, I loved, I, I thought that the, the introduction of, uh, of Rex Tyler and, and our man was, was pretty organic. Um, and the costume scene was, was good because you like, you say, Rex, Rex looks like a superhero and, uh, In in the purple and gold, uh, Wes looks like a clown. Um, It just doesn't work. Uh, I didn't know. This is the first uh, repeat villain. Um, The face shows up again. Yeah. Um, So whether that ties back into the growing universe uh, superhero uh, genre, it's certainly there. Yeah, I wanted
0: to mention that as well because I had that in my notes. This issue seemed, this arc seemed really interesting, particularly right at the end, because it's it's a, it's a, it's almost like a like a, a keystone issue in terms of tying plots together. It brings back the face from way back in the second arc. Mm-hmm. We also see uh, these brothers that are out at this party who are trying to get backing for their for their their publishing company and those are the
1: people yeah publishers trying to get money to to move into comic books as i recall
0: yeah and so they're going to be featured in the arc issues 49 to 52 so it's setting up something from it's bringing back characters from like 18 issues earlier it's setting up characters that are going to appear 18 issues later um there's a, a thing where our man is talking about um a, a fit, uh, i can't even read my own handwriting but the fitness craze is yeah. setting up an, a story that's about to come up um right after this and uh it's just it it's got a lot of breadcrumbs and future stories it ties in stuff from past stories that's not something we've really seen in this title before now um it is interesting like i wonder if that is because now that they're bringing in some of the, the superhero elements they're like it's now it's turning into a little bit more of a superhero book. It still feels like the same title, but
1: I wonder. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is the third arc for Siegel, so I, you know, maybe that that change is is, is more tied to uh, to uh, to the change, the setting up the the more superhero oriented thing rather than the the addition of the extra hour uh, writer, but. Uh,
0: Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention with this arc is I've got some more notes about more parallels. Uh, We get, like, our man's brought in to help this this woman who needs help with his family, and it doesn't really turn out very well. There's some parallels with her unhappiness, paralleling with Diane's new Mm -hmm. happiness. There's also, Diane's doing the narration boxes. She's talking about the death of her mother which which is which uh, is in contrast to some of the scenes we're seeing here with the woman and and uh, her children. We also get Eda comes in. That's that's Humphrey's daughter is introduced in this arc, and she has sort of a fraught relationship with her father that is an interesting mirror to the relationship Diane is having with her father because they're having very similar sort of issues where they're both trying to go out and find their way, and their fathers are trying to protect them by sort of holding them back. Um, so there's a lot of that sort of character stuff going on uh, as well.
1: There is. Uh, I I did know, yeah, Rex is is frankly um, not a very good superhero at this point.
0: Uh, no, he's, he, he he's, messes he's, things he up just just and makes things a lot worse most of the just time. Just
1: making pretty much everything he tries um, goes off worse. And I, I think he, he actually recognizes that because at the end he, he says he's taking time off, which um, from the point of view of, of continuity, um, which is kind of a bugaboo for me, but uh, from the continuity point of view, Our Man did not uh, actually appear until a fair bit later um, in Adventure Comics. So that makes, that makes sense that, that Rex would take that time off and, and give himself the opportunity to actually become a, a useful superhero as opposed to an impediment to the people he's trying to help.
0: Yeah. That's it for this time. I'd like to once again, uh, as always, thank my guest Slam Bradley for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this. Next time around, we'll have the conclusion of this discussion where we cover issues 33 to 70 plus the Sandman Midnight Theater special And we get into the end of the series, which uh, is my favorite ending for any comic book series. So hope you'll join us next time. And of course, you can always join us online at ClassicComics.org to join into the conversation. um, And uh, see you next time.